Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk with Master Mercury Tech, Joe Potts. We talk about boat rigging, boat maintenance, boat mishaps, and we also include a quick Q&A segment. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. It's another early Sunday morning, and I'm sitting here freezing in my garage. What are you guys up to, Nick? Uh, you're on the right of my screen, so you get to start today. What's up, man? Not much, dude. Well, it hasn't been as early of a morning for me as it has you guys since I got 10 minute, extra minutes of sleep and slept through the first uh, Skype call that you tried to make. So, you know, you got true friends, and they'll just sit there and wait for you to get those final minutes of beauty rest. All right. I hope you're I hope you're well rested because this is a big episode. Rob, how about you, man? What's going on with you? Uh, not a whole lot. Today is uh, my wife and I's 23rd wedding anniversary. No so, way. Yeah. Save it for the podcast and waiting. Yeah. So she's uh, put up with me for quite a while. That's really impressive, Rob. Congrats on that, man. Thank Good you. Time. Appreciate Dude, it. Dude, statistically, you have to be in like the point like zero zero category of marriages to make it that far so that's nothing to breeze past that's a that's an accomplishment especially today in today's yep. day and age and we get along well we uh she, i had her cutting drywall yesterday and helping me <laughs> patch walls and stuff so pretty cool yeah it's that's a sign that you guys like to hang out together and that's that's part of the recipe for sure yep what are you guys gonna do today uh paint we're gonna paint today. <laughs> yeah, okay, right on. I like it. So romantic. Uh, well, twenty-five, I think, is the silver anniversary. So you can do something big in two years. Right now, you got to get that job done. Exactly. So <laughs> there's been a lot of big events, like you know, just big personal milestones, birthdays, anniversaries that have just been kind of flops this year, as far as like just not being able to get out and do what you would normally might do under you know regular circumstances. So. Paint is uh, painting on your 23rd anniversary is right on par for 2020, yeah. man. That's so true too, Josh. I mean, the, everything's been a flop in 2020. It seems like so. We I mean, need to like, get. What do you like, have a party? Yeah. What's what's that? You can't have a big party, dude. You, know? you can't have anything. Yeah. No. It's nothing. It, yeah. So. The anyway. soundtrack of 2020 needs to be like the trombone going wah wah, like yeah. everything applies to everything. Yeah, I could rant for an hour about crap, and I'm just not going to go there, but it's so true. Right on. Josh, uh, what's up with you, man? Well, a couple things. We fished a couple times this week, and we'll get into that, but I, I need you guys to help me figure out a mystery that has unfolded in my house in the last 24 hours. And uh, it's kind of a dark way to start the, this podcast, but it's so <laughs> weird. And uh, I, I, I was going to ask you guys about this generally but uh since we're recording we may as well do it on here but uh like i said kind of sad dude I'm, I'm driving home the other day and uh there's like there there is like a small a family of, of small stray cats that like lives in our neighborhood and they just kind of bounce around and i don't know where they get fed but they've been around for a couple years you know and they don't look like bad they look they're not like unhealthy looking they're not mangy or anything like that They'll just, you know, they've chilled in our backyard, and then you don't see them for another six months, and then, they, you know, you see them sitting in the neighbor's front yard. Well, one of them, I drive home the other day, I get home from Costco, and one of them's laying underneath my wife's car, and uh, it doesn't scatter when I back into the yard, back into the driveway, so I'm like, well, that's not good, you know, because it's still laying there. 
So I walk up to it and it's dead. And uh, I don't I don't know what happened to it. It looked fine. It doesn't look like it got run over or anything. Maybe it froze the night before or something. I, I don't know. But um, anyways, you know, I, I, I move it out from under a car and I put it in the rocks. I'm like, man, what do you do with something like this? So I, I slide it over into the rocks. I cover it up with a towel and uh, I, we called animal control and they were going to come pick it up the following day. So, uh, I, I don't know, like maybe I handled it wrong from the get go. I don't know. Like, I, I just didn't want to take it and throw it, throw it away or something, you know? So I was like, well, let, let someone a professional just pick it up. <laughs> People are probably laughing out there at how <laughs> ignorantly I, I, I am with hand, ignorant. I am with handling something like this, but animal control is going to pick it up the next day. So I have a guide trip yesterday morning, the morning after I had found this thing and you know, I had put this thing in the rocks right next to the garage. Like, there's some bushes that are kind of hiding it from the street because I just didn't want people, you know, a bunch of people going by and seeing, like, what's under that towel, you know? Well, dude, it's gone the next morning. Like, where is it? Like, who took a dead stray cat? Coyote. I, well, it took the towel, too. Well, Seriously? He to clean his yeah. face after he's done eating it. That's the, like, I definitely would have thought coyote because they're around, but the towel is gone as well. Do so, you think the neighbor picked it up and threw it away? I asked him. No, they didn't even know about it. My first instinct is an active group of teenage Satanists probably using it <laughs> in a ritual. That's as good of a chance as anything, bro. I think there's a pretty big group of them around here. I've been in some pretty scary mobile homes over the years that have some real extreme tagging you know like ones that have been vacant for a long time and they break windows and they go in there and i've seen stuff that i feel like i need to like yeah never play in a ouija board again because there's some weird like stuff that goes on so i say that jokingly that your you know your community dead cat turned into a satanic ritual but stranger things have happened i'm going with that I mean, yeah, at this point, that's that's as likely as anything. <laughs> what did you say to animal control when they showed up? Yeah, well, about that dead cat. <laughs> we called him and said, it's gone now, so don't worry about coming out, you know. I don't know, dude. This is so weird. Like, hey, I, I, it's one of those things where you walk out there and you just stare. And you, it's so early, you're trying <clears> to figure out what's going on. But I'm like, I know it was there. It was right there. And now it's gone. Where is it? Dude, I thought your story was going to involve that cat having like a litter of 10 kittens under Chantel's car. So That's I don't mean to sound before. dark, but I, OK, as I, said, I don't mean to sound dark, but a dead cat's almost easier. That happened to me one time. I had like a dozen stray cats birthed under my trash can and it oh. scared me so bad, dude. I went to take the trash out years ago and it sounded like someone was going to jump out. You know, the trash can started shaking and it moved because the mom was back there doing her thing. And then. Uh, <laughs> I, I I even went to like Petco and bought like little bottles because the mom darted. She never came what back. What a guy! No and way. I was like I'm gonna like nurse these kittens back to health, and I gave it a shot for like a half a day, and then I was like, I think they need to eat like every seven minutes, and I already had kids, so it's like, yeah, sorry, I didn't. If if you have to raise someone else's offspring and it's an animal, Can you imagine, Rob? dude, I no. didn't have it in me, so it was heart wrenching, dude. They they passed, and I had to take care of it, and yeah, it was too much, dude. It was heavy. So, my dogs about two years ago killed a big old fluffy tail squirrel in our backyard. 
like I look back there and they're running around frantic and there's a squirrel going back and forth. And all of a sudden <laughs> Hudson, my lab grabs it and just one crunch is dead and just walks away from it. He killed it and walked away. Oh, he didn't it. eat it, huh? No. <laughs> so I go out there and I pick it up and I take it outside, outside of the backyard. And I, alongside our driveway, I dig a hole and I bury it. Next morning I will go out there and there's just a hole. <laughs> so <Something laughs> dug it up and took it. <laughs> Was it That's breakfast. So. That's hilarious, dude. Yeah. Persistent. Yeah. Right on. Well, moving on. Um, real quick, you guys have good Thanksgivings. Yeah, very good. Very quiet. It's just Trace and I. So. Nice. How yeah, ours you? ours is good too, man. I uh, I've for many years now we do uh, turkey dinner espanol style so we had like a green salsa and rice and tortillas and stuff that's kind of how my in-laws roll and uh, i'm not complaining it's it's always pretty good so it was so actually good. turkey yeah yeah oh, sweet yeah man that's kind of like a tortilla is our version of like a dinner roll it just goes with everything like it doesn't matter you probably have well you have soup and it comes with the tortilla as a matter of fact so I don't know why Thanksgiving dinner wouldn't be any different, and it's not. <laughs> they make their own tortillas? At times, but these are definitely store-bought. Yeah, we Mission. didn't keep it that real. Yeah, yeah, Mission. Come on, <laughs> pronounce it right. <laughs> how did the how did the turkey turn out, Josh? It, yeah, it was great, man. Yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, I smoked it just like you smoked uh, a turkey breast, and uh, yeah. I smoked an entire turkey. I spatchcocked it and uh, smoked it um, rather than like brining it i had uh had a buddy suggest that i inject it you know it'd be quicker yeah. and he said it'd yeah. be, be just as good and it was it was really good man um, worked better for mark mcguire to inject it too what do you inject in it do you have like a long needle and you like squirt in some stuff yeah man you just uh you buy an injector at the grocery store like a long needle mm-hmm. and it was like a mixture of like you just mix like water, sugar, brown sugar, Anderson's maple syrup, and uh, salt, and, and it's just more for moisture than anything else. But like you can like you can see like uh, you can put anything in it. They make like Cajun injectors yeah. where you can inject Cajun you know sauce or seasoning into it or whatever. But I mean it was good, dude. Cooked on the Green Mountain and it was like I mean it was. So shockingly tender, you know, you're eating it and you're like, man, is this like, I tempted it and it was good, but it's so tender and so good. You're like, is it cooked fully? But yeah, it, it especially with poultry, yeah. it's always scary too, right? Oh, yeah. It's it, 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 was, it was awesome. Yeah, turkey, scare, turkey scares me about five years ago. Um, we had Thanksgiving and all of our late elk hunts in Arizona usually start the day after, Friday, Friday after Thanksgiving. And uh, Boyd and I went and helped a buddy and his son. His son had a, a late elk tag. We hiked into this area and ended up shooting a bull that first morning, uh, packed it out. We were staying in Payson at my buddy's uh, mom's place, and we're just hanging out, and we're going to you know, pack up and go home the next morning. Well, all of a sudden, Boyd gets sick, and I'm taking care of him. About midnight, I get sick. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife at home gets sick so i'm oh, sure wow. it was from the turkey but it was like or <laughs> uh, something we ate who knows it was terrible for 24 hours dude i i laid I, like i just laid around up there i couldn't even drive home so on a cot was, no we were actually at 
uh, a, a buddy's mom's house in Pace, and I felt terrible for her because and like, they're there too. And you're oh, she like, was there. Oh, um, oh, yeah, they were. House. It was horrible. At there. least it was somebody's mom. She pro- probably brought you like seven up and saltine crackers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they took care of us, but I just was just like, my God, that's just disgusting. How bad we were too. So, but Makes yeah, it was. But I think it was late that next day. I was finally able to get enough to drive home. And t- I mean, think about it. It's an hour drive. It's not that much of a drive. But I mean, I could barely even lift my head up. <laughs> 165 so, is the magic number. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, it might have been a, it might have just been a flu that we had. But it just happened to be right after Thanksgiving. So. Yeah. That'll, <laughs> hey, that'll ruin something for you, dude. I haven't had sushi in like six years, dude. And it was like. I didn't get food poisoning from sushi. I know it wasn't the sushi, but I ha- I got like a flu the exact time I ate it, and they just like go hand in hand now to me, man. I'm petrified of it. Because you had to get rid of it, so then there's that like lingering taste, and yeah, oh, it's no good. Yeah. Do you remember the Do you remember the sandwich place called Shalotsky's? Yeah. Oh yeah, I I ate Shalotsky's at noon, and then hopped in my truck and drove to Lake Mead. <laughs> this is like 25 years ago, and like. I was laid up in a bed and freaking, um, and it had nothing to do with Shalotsky's. I just had the flu, but I was laid up in a bed for like 12 hours in Vegas waiting to fish a tournament. I think it was the champion, uh, champion boat tournament. Do you ever remember those, Josh? Were they around? I heard about it. Yeah, for sure. There was like 350 boats in this tournament. So like you would get your boat number and a lot of times you just sleep two hours longer than everyone else because you're going to be. That's crazy. Too, yeah. Yeah. It was nuts, but it was such a cool tournament. But seriously, we ended up, we ended up uh, finishing sixth out of like 350. So, wow. Kind of cool. That's pretty killer. And yeah. You're in the top young, 2%. That was that a big whole deal tournament at that point. So, kind of cool. Yeah. That's badass. Now there's a 350 champion owners total in the whole country, dude. <laughs> <laughs> totally right. <laughs> You could all like reunite, do another. Yeah, there you go, dude. That's funny. That's true, though. You're right. It's sad. Yep. Um, right on. Well, so we, uh, Nick and I were actually lucky. We haven't fished together in forever, and uh, we got out there. We so we made a new buddy, and uh, he's gonna make his debut on the show really soon here. But um, his name is Ryan. Uh, great guy, and uh, he's a professional videographer. Uh, loves fishing. So uh, we're going to get him a little bit more involved uh, both on the podcast and uh, on some video stuff. Now we have no excuse not to deliver you guys some videos when we talk about it and promise it on the podcast and then never do it. We don't have that excuse anymore because we have a a real videographer working with us. So uh, we got out and uh, did some fishing and filming at Roosevelt. How did it feel to to get back out there, Nick? I know it's been a while for you to since you've been on Roosevelt. Yeah, man, it was it was wonderful. It was uh a. Nothing better than fishing with your buds in a low-pressure environment, and uh, the weather was just sick, right? I mean, dude, the high was like 65, 70. It got a little breezy at the end, but that's that's Arizona winter fishing right there, right? little chilly in the morning and then just, like, gorgeous the rest of the day. Yeah, it makes and, it hard to go home. You don't want to go home. In the summertime, when it's hot, like, you're, like, ready to go, but in the wintertime, like, <laughs> yeah, you're kind of figuring the fish out by the afternoon. The weather's perfect. But your phone's going off in your pocket, and it's your wife, you know, yeah. so you got to go. But uh, yeah, pretty much what it was. <laughs> from I from say, what, I, one of the, go ahead, what I saw, you darn near outfished everyone with a Barbie rod, huh? Yeah, you know, I, I did. 
and I'm not very <laughs> surprised by that. Some people might be, but you know, it was it was Josh's spot with Josh's used old robo worm that I had found under the steering wheel. So technically, his DNA was all over that, you know, stomping. But it is true, yeah. Yeah, very good. He did. So he busted that thing out, and uh, in the time he threw it, he had. As many bites or more bites, probably more bites than anyone else. And uh, you you put one in the boat, and he lost another another one right on the side of the boat. It was uh it was quite the show. It was quite the show watching him cast it. What I was impressed by though was he actually woke up in the morning to re-spool that rod. He's like, yeah, I put fresh six pound on this this morning. And I'm like, seriously? I really take did. It, take seriously, yeah. But it was an epic epic flaw, epic mistake because I put rob style i put mono on it and when you have like 18 inches of overall rod length and it's the you know it has the backbone of an overcooked spaghetti noodle and then you're making a 50 foot cast and then you're fishing at 20 feet of water you might feel the bite but you have to set the hook and reel like nobody's business because the amount of stretch in that thing is like six boat lengths so the fact that any of them came to the boat was a miraculous event he was dancing when, when he after he would set that hook and uh, you know the gear ratio of that reel he was talking about the gear ratio like he was reeling so fast and like recovering. No <laughs> I think line. it was like negative three inches per turn of the handle. Like I seriously think the faster you turned, nothing happened. So it was, it was. But honest to God, Rob, I I was totally just messing around. I was like, oh, I'll bring it and whatever. And so we got to the um, we had fished a, a little offshore spot to start the day and there were fish on it. And then we did other things and we ended the day on that spot. And it was really going on when we got back there in the afternoon, there was just a lot of fish around. And so I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to do it. So I crawled under Josh's steering wheel and found a used old, like two thirds of some type of plastic worm. And dude, that's what I drop shot it. <laughs> that's even better. On That's awesome. I'm sitting there looking at live scope, dancing my bait in front of the fish, like, you know, with a $600 rod and get, I mean, get, but, but getting bit at the same rate as Nick is with a, with a six month old worm that I've been stepping on next to the hot foot on a barbie Blind rod. casting off the back of his boat with a barbie rod. <laughs> Had no color left in the worm. It was just dirt color. Well, it was right? custom, right? So yeah. this time of year, they're really keying in on that charcoaly brown, gray, yep. gritty, you know, yeah. that's what the bait fish look like. <laughs> It was so fun, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, it was fun enough that I think spooning would be pretty fun with one of those things. If, if you're going to catch two pounders, right, like not to sneeze at that, but it's like you weren't you weren't, you know, Bonita trophy fishing by any means. So you got to kind of like amplify the fun. Dude, I'm already I'm going to put like I'm either going to do four pound fluoro all the way so I don't have to retie leaders. Or maybe a little braid combo on that, and uh, I'm going to go to town, man. It reminds me when I was a kid, I used to catch little stalker rainbows off of uh, the dock where we had our place in Wyoming with, like, a, a mealworm. And I, I, it was an ice fishing rod, so it was the same, like, 18 inches overall length, but it was actually, like, you know, maybe more serious fishing tackle than that. But it was so fun, dude, because it would make, like, a 12-inch trout. It would bend the, hand, the rod over to the handle. And so we got scientific with like tiny hooks and like two pound tests. It's like I was having great flashbacks to that. It's actually pretty fun. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah, he was he was jacked up as he was fishing that thing, man. It was the highlight of the day uh, by far. I'm bummed far. I missed it. I've talking about not going on COVID rants, but I was in COVID jail because a family member got COVID and 
I was in contact, so I missed that trip. I missed a deer hunt that a buddy was on. Oh. Um, just a bunch of stuff. So, yeah, kind of a bummer for me. That but, is a bummer, but hey, props for, for uh, you know, following the yeah. rules, I guess, man, or doing what, what you thought was right. So that's good. Yeah, Gavin Newsom approves. And I have to say one more thing there. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully he sends you a Your thank boy. you card. <laughs> Hand address from the governor of California. I, uh, I also broke out my questionably masculine, probably feminine cowboy hat, and uh, did I put zero sunscreen on, and I couldn't get the you know face shield like the buff up over it. And uh, I am pleased to report that I was barely sunburned at all. So I think from now on, I I'm just wearing the cowboy hat and going no sunscreen. How about the comments on the cowboy hat? It was like three to one supportive versus you know unsupportive. <laughs> Hey, my wife, I was like, yeah, I got Nick's extra cowboy hat in the rod locker. I got to get it back to him this week. She's like, why is he wearing all these cowboy hats? Like she, I thought she was going to want you to wear it at night in the bedroom. I thought you're going to like come out of the silhouette of the bathroom with that thing on and be like, woo. but apparently not, huh? Hilarious, dude. (laughs) Hilarious. Uh, all right, so hey, uh, we actually do have a, a good guest for the show today. Um, it's our good buddy Joe Potts, and we'll get to him here in a little bit. But just to tease it real quick before we do our Q and A, um, he is a uh, basically like a master boat mechanic and a boat rigger. So it's boat rigging season. Thought it would be appropriate to bring him on so we can talk to him about you know some of the the trends going on and and you know. Boat equipment, boat electronics, uh, things to look out for when you're rigging boats, maintaining your boat, maybe crazy things he's seen on boats people have brought to him over the years. But uh, we'll get to him in a few. Uh, we do have one good question I wanted to hit on Q&A, and uh, this is from our buddy Dave. He was out at the lake, and he was doing some <clears throat> flipping recently, and he noticed he got he was getting bit like way up high in the water column, like way up in the top of the tree. And um, it it brings up an interesting question because he's like, Hey, what are there baits that I can use that would be more effective seeing how the fish are wanting to feed up and they're so high in the tree. And, uh, there's a couple different ways to do that. And I don't think there's one definite way all the time, but, uh, have you guys seen this Rob? Have you seen this much? And, and what do you do? And when, when fish are biting your bait, like, it, I, you know, when, as soon as it hits the water or also, when you're bringing the bait out of the water, which can be frustrating, you know, you're reeling your bait out of the tree and a fish comes up and swirls at it and either gets it or doesn't. But it's like, man, you know, is, should I be doing something different? Yeah. I mean, my first reaction when if obviously if they're going to eat it, uh, as you're pulling it out or when, when it just lands, I mean, I might try a reaction bait at that point if I can get it into the same areas, um, otherwise if you, if it's so thick and you can't do that, maybe, um, go with a little lighter weight to stay up higher longer. One. Um, maybe try a Cinco. It just, it really depends on the situation of the type of cover you're fishing. I think if I, I know where he was and the, the, you know, the type of cover. So it's, um, you know, going lighter and, you know, going weightless is just very difficult. And even throwing like a spinner bait or a, a moving bait of some sort is difficult in that super heavy cover. So, um, yeah, it's, that's a tough call. What, what would you do, Josh? Well, I mean, I'm with you. Everything you said, I echo. And then, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I've seen more often than not in that scenario, especially when the cover is heavy, that 
flipping is still your best bet. You just kind of have to maybe adjust what you're doing a little bit or just accept that, hey, I'm not going to be 100% on my bites today because they are biting it in a weird – they're positioned weird. But, like, what happens a lot of times is the fish are still so tight to that cover that if you do throw a spinnerbait or vibrating jig or something else, you just can't get it close enough to the fish. So um, you kind of have to flip because you're pulling the fish off of the base of the cover um, but you know, yeah, just like as you're bringing the bait out, kind of swim it out. Don't just reel it out as fast as you can get, you know, maybe kind of swim it over the, out through those branches, uh, you know, on the way out every time and be prepared to get that bite in that scenario. You said, go to a lighter weight. That's great. Get, you know, make sure that you're using a bait that has a lot of swimming action. Um, and so it, so it's the fish, so it slows the fall down a little bit. So the fish have time to see it as it's kind of swimming down and swimming on out of the tree. But, you know, there was a cup tournament I fished MLF cup at Fort Gibson a couple years ago in the fall. And this was the scenario. Like they were, I kept thinking like, man, I, maybe I'll do better with a swim jig or maybe I'll do better with a uh, vibrating jig or top water and get them to come up for it. But you do that and not get bit. And then you pick up a flipping stick, flip right to the heart of the cover and you get nailed as you're swimming it out of there, you know, and it was just eventually I just kept the flipping stick in my hand and just made it work that way. But yeah, go ahead. See that, that, that makes you wonder if, if when you're pulling it out, they eat, if you're pulling them up off of the base of that structure or the base of that Very possible. Uh, cover, I should say. Um, obviously if when you're pitching it in there and they hit it right when it lands, I mean, that's a, they're obviously up in the water column at that point, but, um, yeah, oh, so you're thinking maybe they are actually sitting deep in the cover and, and you're they're just you're yeah, drawing them up deep. and they're eating it as you're right, right. So who knows? I mean, that's I think you just keep fishing and make small adjustments and and uh, you know see if one of them works better than the other. But yeah, and I would just see. Go ahead, Nick. I would just switch to a Barbie rod. You know, it slows <laughs> it down. I like it. <laughs> hey, if Rob. We could, uh, Rob actually had some really good answers to that, and he always does, but just to, to give you a hard time, we should, like, if you ever want to get off the podcast, Rob, we could just get, like, um, we could make, like, a tape of you saying, like, certain things and, and for tips for both of you guys. For tips, it would be, like, Rob would be, like, I I would throw a spinnerbait in that scenario, and then we would just plug <laughs> it in on every single question, and then for Nick, it would be, like, uh, what would it be, Rob? For For Nick? Yeah. It'd be like, remember that time in the marina at Canyon? There you go. <laughs> and no one would ever know that you guys weren't on the podcast. Right. It's because both of those suggestions are so relevant and solid that we don't need anything else. I mean, it's that's the point. You're right, Josh. Is gold. My answer to everything is just throw a spinnerbait. Yeah, I would just throw a spinnerbait. Yeah. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Then what's Josh's, Rob? Um... My answer would be like, well, you know, I dance around, I dance around it. Yeah. Go, so well, there's the not most, really one one way to do it. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of different. It depends on the scenario. The most Josh would be like, I'd correct, be, Josh would be like, I'd be in a Nitro Z21 with my Mercury and my Garmin Electronics throwing my Berkeley baits. I don't do that enough. You guys are lucky I don't do that more. We don't get paid enough for that. So as soon as they pay us, then we'll we'll load up all the answers with the correct you know, <laughs> correct pieces. And then I'd get home and I, I'd drive my Toyota home. 
<laughs> Sorry. I'm going to start doing it more just because uh, that's a good reminder. And uh, our <laughs> listeners need more of that. Pound them over the head with it. And bring on Joey Potts. All right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, let's bring him on. Hopefully he's awake this morning. All right, Joe. Uh, dude, you've been kind enough to join us on your day off. You got up early on a uh, Sunday morning, so we appreciate it big time, man. What What do you have in store for today? Uh, just kind of hanging out and uh, probably try to watch some football today. Are you a Cardinals fan? Yes, I am. Heck yeah, they're pretty pretty fun to watch this year, huh? Yeah, uh, I think uh, Kyler Murray is doing a great job, and uh, you know he's a good quarterback, and team looks good. Hopefully, we can go to the playoffs. Dude, just so happens, right? We have the most ridiculously difficult division ever, and uh, it, other divisions in the NFL with our record, we'd be like winning their division, and this year we're like gonna have to battle for the wild card. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely gonna be a tough year this year. Watching that loss to the Seahawks, too, was brutal, man. When it came down to the that final drive, dude, it was such a heartbreaker. It just goes to show that uh, Murray is amazing. But give him one or two more years to just mature just a little bit more, and uh, we're going to be a force. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel the same. Hey, what's that? What is that division in the East that the Cowboys and Eagles are in? That, it's like, an, yeah, it's the NFC first, East. It's the NFC East. Okay. Yeah, I did. I think the leading team is like three games under 500, right? <laughs> it's like it's that bad. I don't know if it's still that bad, but at one point it literally was like winning that division. You could be like three games under 500. That's a dumb way to do it, man. They need to do it like the here. Here I am telling the NFL how to do things. They're like the most successful league of all time. But uh, like the NHL, which is my favorite league, they the top eight teams based on your record make the playoffs. So like. You know, you can't get lucky and slide in. I guess baseball's the same way as the NFL, huh? Yeah. Baseball doesn't send someone from every division? No, they do. It's just like the NFL. Everyone from the division goes, and there's a wild card. Yeah. Uh, Well, right on, Joe. Uh, Again, man, we really appreciate it. We, uh, you know, we're getting into that boat rigging season. You've you've personally rigged, like, you know, 90% of the boats I've ever had. Uh, so I thought you'd be a great guy to get on here and just kind of talk about maybe some of the the trends going on in, in boats right now. And uh, I don't know, man, uh, you know, maybe give some tips on uh, on some good preventative maintenance that people could be doing to their rigs uh, that they're maybe not doing now. You know, most of our listeners are boaters. But uh, before we get into it, um, I, you know, I've never even really asked you about all of your like certifications through Mercury and stuff, man. Like um, how important is it as for a mechanic like you, um, a boat tech like you to have the certifications and like, what do you have? What, what's the school look like? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's good to have all your certifications, especially, um, being in the industry now, especially because everything is changing. So, um, with all the, uh, you know, new motors coming out, it, you know, this year we really didn't go to school very much um, just because of all this COVID stuff. But, uh, um, you know, with the new V8 coming out, you know, different things on those, um, the new V6s, uh, they're, you know, they're a little bit different than the older model, you know, Optimaxes and stuff like that, you know, as far as electronics and the way they, uh, you know, the diagnose them and everything. Um, but yeah, I'm triple certified in Mercury. I have, uh, Mercruiser, uh, outboard, and then I have uh, stern drive. 
so and i've you know have i've had those for a while now um but yeah i mean there's there's always something out there you can you can learn you know interesting now uh like dude it, it when it comes to doing like certain warranty work in certain jobs like are you not allowed to touch a motor unless you have those certifications in certain uh, scenarios? most de- yeah most dealers can't unless you are a mercury dealer you cannot do mercury warranty work um you have to be a dealer for them um you know if it's just yearly maintenance um, you can you can touch the motor and do the yearly maintenance and all that. Gotcha, right on. And, and like, what's the school like, man? Like, do you go back to uh, to the actual factory in Fond du Lac and do the training there, or is it somewhere else? No, there's multiple different places um, that I've went. Um, they closed the school down in California, but uh, I usually go to Dallas, Texas and go to the school there, or there is actually one here, um, actually just down the street from my house, so. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, they opened uh, they opened up a classroom here at the MMI uh, school, uh, so um, they don't have all the classes there, but some of them that, you know, if you need a quick two or three day class, you can go in and do that one and not have to fly to Dallas or wherever is open, you know. Nice, interesting. Man. That's cool. And like, how did you get like started in in marine stuff to begin with, man? I know you used to work at, you know, now you're at, uh, you know, Bass Pro Shops. But I, you know, when I first met you, you were at Southwest Boats. Did you was that your first job in uh, in marine stuff? Yeah, that was actually I actually fell into working on boats. Um, I went to school to work on motorcycles actually at MMI. Um, and at the time, everybody wanted to go to school to be a motorcycle mechanic, and um, I just couldn't find a job. I, it, you know, everybody wanted you to push bikes around and wash bikes, and before you could start wrenching on them, and you know, I didn't want to do that. I just got out of school. I wanted to start wrenching, and uh, a buddy of mine that actually came into a gas station that I worked at. Um, he would always bring his boat in every weekend. We would talk, and then we got to become friends. And we started fishing together and then he's like, Hey, my, you know, my, my shop's actually looking for a mechanic and that was Southwest boats. And I went down there and uh, they hired me right away. And I've been working on boats ever since I've been working on boats for about 16 years now. So that's awesome, man. What a, what a success story too. And picking something that just was a little bit off of what the mainstream of everyone else was wanting to do. I have a brother-in-law who went to UTI and uh, same thing, dude, is he was getting close to graduating from there. Um, the, the Volvo, the folks at Volvo actually came up to him and he was, he was doing really good. He was towards the top of his class and I think he was going to go to like maybe Ford or Chevy and there was just tons of people applying there and Volvo had almost nothing. Dude, he's like 10 years down the career now. He's making like solid six figures, like doing great. And has more work than he can handle. And sometimes you take that, like, you know, not that boats is a side avenue, but in Arizona, to some extent, it might be. And uh, that's cool, man. I'm glad you're getting rewarded for it. Yeah, I mean, I had I had a buddy that did the exact same thing, and he's working for BMW. So it's 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 crazy how it works out that way, you know. Yeah, there's something to be said for kind of picking an avenue that's just maybe slightly less traveled, and uh, good things will yeah. come. 
And and Joe, you're personally like a fisherman. Like Joe, Joe fishes for the listeners. He fishes some tournaments, and he he's an avid angler himself. So, um, I don't know, dude. Is it hey, is it cool to be around fishermen all the time, or does it become annoying because a lot of fishermen can be extremely annoying, especially when their boats are broken? Like, do you do you enjoy <laughs> it, or do you get sick of it, or both? Um, I guess I got a love hate relationship with it. You know, it's uh. <laughs> I, you know, when you're out there, you, you know, all the fishermen are, you know, they're always nice, you know, they're, you know, everybody likes to be buddy, buddy with each other. And, um, you know, and, but then, you know, on the other hand, you're always like, you know, you got the guys that are like, Hey, my boat's broke. What can, when can you fix it? Or when, you know, uh, you know, what's wrong with her? What do you think's wrong with it? You know, but, uh, I enjoy it. You know, we all like to have a good time. You know, I fished the little JML tournament here and, uh, you know, he puts on, Lyle puts on a good show, and um, I have fun with it, you know, but I haven't been fishing very much lately, just because I've been so busy, um, but, uh, you know, I enjoy fishing, it's my kind of getaway to kind of clear your head, and just go have some fun, and, you know, my buddy that I go fishing with, you know, we like to talk crap to each other, and, you know, have a good time while we're out there, that's what it's all about. That is, that's the name yeah. of the game. Uh so, dude, uh, when it comes to, like, actual uh, boat rigging, man, I was going to ask you, you know, like, it, say say uh, you start from scratch. You know, you you pick, you got a brand new boat, just the shell of the boat. What is, like, your favorite part of, of rigging a boat like that? And then what is, like, the biggest pain in the butt? What's the most challenging part of, of rigging a boat? Um, I, I guess I've, I've been doing it for so long. I really don't have, a like, a really challenging part. It's um, all just easy. For Joe. <laughs> it's not you know you know the hardest part is like figuring out what electronics are going to work with what you know um i guess that's the biggest thing right now is you have so many different electronics out there that um you know you could do different things with um you know like hummingbirds probably my biggest uh downfall just because i don't know them as well huh. as a lot of other people do um you know, there's so many different things that will work with each other and, you know, and cables and stuff like that. Um, but I've actually been trying to get a little bit better at, you know, the hummingbird side of stuff because, you know, everybody with a Mega 360 that they came out with and all the new units that they're coming out with, you know, you got to kind of stay up on some of the stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually love doing electronics. That's my um, – I think that's my favorite thing is, interesting you know, putting all the putting all the electronics in and making sure you know everything works with each other doing lights and stuff like that that's tight i would have thought the opposite man i would have thought just the amount of you know uh just getting those systems together would be probably i, I know you did mention it's one of the challenging things but uh, i guess yeah probably because it's a little challenging is why you like doing it maybe a little bit because yeah. it's not just yeah, plug and play like everything else yeah, it's not just, oh, here, I'm just going to put this graph in. Well, no, let's see, you know, let's hook this graph to the talons. Let's hook the, you know, you know, I mean, power pole now, you know, you can hook, you can mess with your phone on those. You can sync them up, you know, the chargers now you can uh, uh, program them with your phone. And, you know, it's just different things now that you can make work, you know. How, how many power pole charge systems have you put in yet? Uh, I think I've done like two or three now, um, but they're, you know, 
they're way different than, you know, just putting a regular battery charger in, you know, you got to figure out, you know, they have so many wires coming out of them to make them work with 36 volts and make them work with 24, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've got one coming, dude. I'm, I'm stoked to, I'm stoked to have it. I've heard it's pretty amazing. Yeah. They're, they're pretty, they're cool. I mean, you can, you could test your batteries with them and, you know, make sure, you know, what your charge rate and everything like that is. So, especially if you're going lithium, you know, that's the big thing now is lithium. Yep. Yep. I, I will be this year, actually. So that makes me feel good. That's good to hear. So is Tesla getting into bass boats then? Is that what I'm hearing here? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> the Model B. Yeah, we'll so, have an electric motor here pretty soon. <laughs> Dude, like, what are the, some of the trends that you're seeing a lot? Like, of course, it's going to sound like a straight Garmin plug, but, like, I, I, I've seen, like, a massive wave of people starting to get Garmins. And a lot of times they start with just getting one unit for LiveScope, and then uh, after that, like, they'll switch all the way over. But are you rigging a lot more Garmin than you ever have before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Garmin, uh, Garmin all the way, actually. Um, uh, I'm actually a big Garmin fan now. I mean, Laurent. Um, I used to be a Lawrence guy for years, but kind of Lawrence has kind of fallen be- behind a little bit on, you know, their technology. But Garmin, man, their their stuff's pretty cool, and uh, you know, everybody's getting panoptics. I've had multiple people have like Mega three sixty, um, and they're like, you know what, I don't want, I I don't like it no more. And I've been on somebody's boat that's had um panoptics and you know they're they're switching over you take everything out and go to panoptics so um panoptics is the big thing right now it's crazy i can't even imagine how many uh, how many folks across the country are switching but i i tell these guys all the time i bet i get between you know four and five messages every single week of someone you know saying hey man i, I want to get garmin what do i do what do i buy you know i want to get live scope i want to get panoptics it's crazy yeah <laughs> It's crazy, um, dude. So hey, you don't have to answer this if if you don't want, man. But like, I, I you know, I've seen people do some pretty crazy stuff with their boats. Like, is there one or, or do you have one or two like stories that really stand out of like someone who had had done like something absolutely insane on the water with their boat and brought it to you and asked you to fix it? Like, you know, so. You know, there's, of course, like running over a rock pile or something, but have you ever had like someone bring in their boat, tell you the story of what happened, and then when they're riding away, you're thinking like, this person should not be owning a boat? Yeah, I mean, we, I've, I've had some, I mean, not like really great stories, <clears throat> but it's like, I don't know, you, you, you have, you know, being with Bass Pro, you have a lot of different people that buy boats. So, you know, you got the average fisherman that buys a boat, you know, it comes back and, you know, he's actually taking care of it. And then you got the people that buy, you know, a $50,000, $60,000 boat and then they bring it back like a year later and it's trashed, you know. Um, it's, you know, the kind of thing is, is like you spend that kind of money on a boat um, and you just don't take care of it. You know, they don't cover it. They don't uh, maintain it or anything like that. So, um, I mean, I've had some, you know, people, I definitely had some people bring their boats back right after they, uh, they got them and, uh, and they torn the trans, uh, transducers off. They've torn the skag off. Um, we've had one guy that, uh, you know, he brought the boat in, 
he just bought it, took it to the lake, and didn't uh, have the winch strapped uh, tied to the boat, and then went to oh. launch it, and it slid off the trailer right onto the ramp. You know, oh. and, before he even <laughs> got it in the water, it hit the ramp before the water forever. Yep, yeah, and it, it literally <laughs> just grooved off the bottom of the boat. You know, on the on right by the drain plug. So that's been christened. You know. Now it's ready. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That is sad. I feel for that guy. Dude, yeah. what what do people do when they dump their boat on the ramp before it gets wet? I mean, do you just get like five or six people in the parking lot and just everyone heave hose and someone pulls on the winch? Like I maybe Josh, you know too. Like I've wondered like how do no people idea. recover from that? <laughs> a lot of a lot of people come and like go get the crane and they're like okay, uh, you know they'll they'll pick them up with the crane and. Uh, sit them right back i mean most marinas got something to pick a boat up so huh. uh they'll just pick it up and you know sit it on the uh back on the trailer so you get some bruised pride and probably a pretty big bill from the marina for driving the crane one mile an hour over to the ramp <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> have you guys ever seen that rob you ever see someone drop a boat on a ramp before yeah i saw a guy saworo he backed in a, a i don't know it was like an 18 foot ranger um, the boat literally bounced on the concrete and then just kind of slid in the water. It was, oh. it was like, oh, one fluid motion, not so fluid. Like, <laughs> if you could have video of that, it would have been just, and the look on the guy's face, I mean, it was pretty <laughs> solid. Maybe just sound video would be good, but even just the sound yeah. of it, like crunching and then sliding, that's yeah. And he's, uh, yeah. that guy is a very famous fisherman. Not for his fishing. <laughs> well, it sounds like now he is. I mean, that's, <laughs> if that's what his, makes me famous, I'm going to do his it. His initials are JC. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's laughing. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty yep, solid. That's that. amazing, dude. That's <laughs> pretty funny, dude. So it was pretty recent. Oh, yeah. This wasn't 20 years ago. No, this was, uh, yeah, just a few years ago. But. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. Well, Joe, speak to me specifically, because I might be the guy who has a nice boat that neglects it terribly that you mentioned. What are some of like, uh, what are just some basic like maintenance and things that aren't too difficult to do, but have a huge impact on, you know, preserving, you know, the, the quality of your boat? Are there some simple things like that? Yeah, um, your your biggest thing is, is like your batteries. I mean, take care of your batteries. Uh, every Every couple months, check the water in the batteries, especially if you have lead-acid batteries. Um, um, if you got the gel ones that are maintenance-free, you, really, you don't really have to do that. But, you know, every time you guys go to the lake, you guys are on your trolling motor all day long, um, and, you know, you're drawing your batteries down. So your biggest thing is, is when you get back home, charge those batteries back up to the full and then let them sit. Okay. Um, and then right and then right before you guys go back out, let's say you're going back out Saturday morning, Friday morning before you go to work, plug your batteries back in, get them boosted back up, and then Saturday morning, take them back off the charger and go fishing. And then just keep repeating that because, you know, a lot of times if you – your batteries will get a memory to them, and they'll uh, – hmm. you know, if you constantly draw them down and then you bring them back at a half half charge and then you let them sit for two or three weeks, and then you charge them back up, and then you keep repeating that, those batteries are only going to want to go back up to that half charge after a while. And then that's where you're going to see your duration for the day, you know, start going down. You know, you're not 
you may start only getting three or four hours out of them instead of getting, you know, six or eight hours out of them. Wow. Um, Hey Joe, real so, quick to butt in, dude. How much, how much water do you put when you, when you fill your batteries up, like, can you give a description of how much water you put in there? Because like I, I do it and I always, I, I never know if I'm putting the right amount back in. Yeah, they, they have, um, a lot of times your battery will have like a little plastic, uh, a hole that goes down in there and usually you just fill it up till just just before it touches the bottom of that little plastic piece um you definitely okay. want to make sure it's over the over the place and everything but you definitely can overfill them you don't want to fill them up to where they're coming out of the hole you want it just before they start touching that tube that goes down in there gotcha okay right on yeah i wasn't sure if it was supposed to be just above you know that you know where that uh bottom of those i guess the deals we're at or, or below. So that makes sense. Just get it close. Yep. And then Joe question for you about, you know, old gas. And I, I feel like, you know, if you don't use your boat a bunch with, with how many additives and ethanol stuff that they put in gas nowadays, is that still a pretty big issue letting gas sit? Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. The ethanol in the fuel right now is horrible on your pumps, um, carburetors, everything like that. Um, you know, your biggest thing is, is right before you're, you know, if you if you know you're going to let your boat sit for four or five months, the last trip that you guys take it out, put stabilizer in the fuel, um, and you should still bring the boat out at least once a month and put it in your driveway and let it run for 20, 30 minutes and just get some fresh gas going through the, the pumps and the carburetors, you know just just so it doesn't clog that stuff up i mean you know in an optimax you know if you let that sit and it takes out the pumps you know you, you that's a thousand dollars right out of your pocket just just in pumps so okay do you recommend quick clean joe when guys are running their boats oh for sure yeah every um every couple tanks you know run some quick clean through it i mean i tell everybody every three months run a bottle through it you know if you're if you're going out at, um, all the time, you know, a lot of the guys I talk to, they go out two or three times a week or, you know, every weekend. So, you know, every three months run a, a, a thing, a quick clean through it, you know, just to help that motor out. So On four strokes too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a decarbonate. So, you know, it helps clean the carbon off the pistons and stuff like that and helps keep that motor clean. So Tight. Right on. Uh, Rob, hey, Rob's over here smirking. He's probably, he's like, I got a motor with 800 hours on it, and I've never done any of this stuff. Is that what you're? Is that why you're smirking, dude? I've just been very lucky with that motor. I think, <laughs> I think my thing with that motor is because because I've blown up my share of outboards, but I think just the fact that I use it for guiding, and I run 3,000 to 4,000 RPMs majority of the time. I think is why it's held together. And I've just been quite fortunate. I think, do you agree with that, Joe? Do you think keeping a boat not running at full throttle every time you go somewhere is better for it or not? I mean, yes and no. I mean, that's, um, you know, if you're babying it all the time, for sure, it's going to last a lot longer. Um, you know, being a guide, you know, you don't want to be out there beating your boat up every, you know, every day because yeah. you're on the water almost every other day. And, you know, and then you go to fish a tournament and you go to, you know, go across the lake and all of a sudden it blows up, you know. 
Um, but yeah, I think that does have a lot to do with it. You know, not running it at the high RPMs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, if you're, you know, your maintenance bill is probably a lot higher because you're putting a lot of hours on it. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just, I'm less concerned about beating the motor up than I am beating up my clients running across the lake, (laughs) but it, um, yeah, I think I've just been very fortunate with that motor. So. See, Rob, that's why you don't have a... Go ahead, What's Nick. That? We're both about to bu- uh, bust Rob's ball. Yeah, you, start, do you have a pretty good burner on Rob. Because I was just going to say, Rob, that's why you don't have all five stars on Yelp for your guiding, because you don't go 80 miles an hour across the lake. People want speed. Right. They right. want to feel be their crying. face rippling. Oh, no. <laughs> they want to lose everything in their pockets and their yeah. hats and jackets and stuff like that. Sunglasses. Uh, well, Joe, hey, dude, that's a, that's great info, man. Um, I know it's an early Sunday morning. Do you guys have anything else for him before we let him roll? Dude, I think I just have like a, a sense of guilt now hearing all this good advice and knowing that my boat's in my backyard, happily not receiving any of the decarbonate you suggest for gas. And I think my batteries have a memory now of like 15% of capacity. So I feel like I've thoroughly <laughs> ruined my boat. So thanks. I'm going to go cry in the corner now. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, no, man, that's, that's awesome, dude. Talking. Yeah. Yeah, your biggest thing is do your guys' yearly services, man. I mean, that's change of fluids, change of filters, and, uh, you know, just take care of it every year, especially, you know, you know, a lot of I, I see it all the time where people have like 150s, 175s, you know, and they're always like, oh, well, you know, my alarm's going off. Well, when's the last time you changed your impeller? And they're like, well, I changed it about a year and a half ago. I was like, well, you're about six months, you know, behind on changing your impeller because, you know, those those motors, you have to change the impellers every year. So um, the bigger ones, you can get away with going every two. But, you know, that's that's the biggest thing is do your yearly services. Take care of your boats. You know, when you guys bring – the boats to Bass Pro, we, you know, we go through all that stuff. We check the the trailer, we check all your lights, we check your bearings. Um, you know, we put the the decarbonates and the fuel uh, system cleaners in your boat when we do the services. You know, we we do all that stuff, and we can even see, you know, when we start the motors up in the shop, we're like, you need an impeller. You know, it's not uh, it's not pumping water as hard as it should be. So you know, you pro- or we put it on the computer and we say, Oh, you know, you had a, you know, a couple overheats, you know, three or four hours ago, you know, you probably want to do an impeller. Hmm. What's the best time to go, uh, bring it in for service, dude, because obviously, you know, springtime when everyone's getting ready to use their boat and summer, probably like if you're coming in for maintenance, you, you hate to have your boat sitting there for a while. Like if, if, is there a time of year where like, if someone wanted to get on a schedule of like, Hey, every year I'm going to get my boat serviced at this time when it's not too busy in the shop. Uh, when would that be? Or are you guys busy just all the time? Man, not busy in the shop. I have never heard that in the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> okay. Maybe a little <laughs> less busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, usually the winter time, man, uh, usually right around, you know, October through, january usually we're a little bit slower but the last couple years um you know we're we're slammed all year round i mean it's it's been crazy busy this year um especially with this covid i mean it's it, uh it ramped up boat sales you know everybody's you know wanting to put electronics on and everything like that and uh you know usually right around the winter time we're, we slow up a little bit we can get them in and get them out a little bit faster but um 
right now, I mean, we're, we've got, I think, a two-month window where we're like, we can't get you in. You know, we're that busy. Unbelievable. Wow. That's, that's a lot of boaters getting out and getting in on the action. That's crazy, man. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, a lot of it's our, you know, when we sell stuff, we, we can't, uh, like your double biminis and stuff like that, we haven't been getting them in as fast. So we, huh. you know, we they have to bring them back in and get that stuff installed. So we got to kind of get them in and, you know, we still have to do our services and stuff like that too. So, you know, and we, we've had a lot of people this year that, you know, Oh, I blew my motor up. Let's put a new one on, or, you know, this been sitting for four years. You know, we get a lot of those. So That's cool. That's a lot of just juggling from the uh, folks that are doing the scheduling and stuff like that. I mean, that's a, uh... Hey, and job security. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome, man. Well, hey, uh, we're about 30 minutes in, dude. And uh, no, like I said earlier, it's Sunday. You got uh, a lot of family stuff going on. So uh, we'll let you roll, man. But uh, I owe you you a fishing trip for coming on with us, man. I appreciate it big time. Yeah, for sure. We need to do our yearly uh, fishing trip. Heck yeah, heck yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, sounds good. Yeah, as soon as that new boat comes in, dude, I can have you come out and help me get it get it dialed in, and uh, we'll catch some bass in the process. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right, brother. Thanks, man. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon, Joe. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good day, guys. You too. See thanks again for listening, guys. We really appreciate Joe coming on as well. Uh, Please keep the questions coming for Q&A, keep the ratings coming on iTunes, and uh, we can't wait to share some of the YouTube stuff we've been working on with you guys. Hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Monday.